Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. to another episode of The Grueling Truth. I'm your host, Mike Goodpaster. We have a great show for you tonight. Right now, as always, I would like to welcome in my co-host, Matt Andruscavage. Thank you, Mike. Good to be here. Always fun to talk about the NFL. Like I said, we had another great show. Last week we had Gary Jeter, who played off those legendary USC teams of the mid-'70s. Now we've got one that played on the legendary USC teams of the late-'70s, Dennis Smith, six-time Pro Bowler. Helped guide the Denver Broncos to three three Super Bowls during his career, totaling over a thousand career tackles. Thanks for joining us tonight, Dennis. Hey, great for great having me. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm hey, excited no problem. about being on this show. Yeah, like we I said last week, here. we had Mr. Jeter. Last week we had Mr. Jeter on the show. He played USC. I know he said to tell you hi. He said you were. I think you were a freshman when he was a senior. No, and actually, he no. actually he. Was I never played with Gary Jeter, but he was there like the year before I got there. The year before oh, yeah, I got there was his last year. Would have been a class of '76, wouldn't it? I was the class. Okay, um, my first year was '77, but I know him well. I mean, I know him because, of course, they would always come back, and we would always see those guys. So, you know, I know who he is, and I was well aware of who he was too because. Yeah. Um, well, like we I talked about, big, you I won a national champion. Go ahead. Hmm? Oh, no. Go ahead. Won. Sorry about that. Uh, I was saying, you won a national championship at USC. You played mm-hmm. for John Robinson, legendary you know, NCAA football coach. You played in the same back defensive backfield with Ronnie Lott and Joey Browner. Tell us a little bit about your college days and what it was like winning a national championship. Well, it was great. I, I... – you know, my my original, you know, growing up in California, you were a USC fan for football and a UCLA fan for basketball. And uh, me watching growing up, I had to make a choice of what, do, what team do I want to play for, you know. And uh, I almost went to UCLA, and it was because of the basketball program because I was always in Westwood, like every weekend – me and my friends would go to Westwood. So I was, like, so engrossed into UCLA basketball. But as I grew up, I was like, I realized, okay, I played basketball, but I wasn't going to play basketball in college. So what school do I want to go to? Do I want to go to the team that, you know, uh, is going to lose to USC every year? Or do I want to go to the team that's going to, you know, 
beat UCLA every year, so I had to make a choice. And uh, my choice was to go to USC, obviously for football reasons, but I almost went to UCLA just because I love the basketball program so much. And I could name all the players on the teams back in the day. So, you know, I was – I was, and I still am a UCLA fan in basketball, but uh, USC football. And matter of fact, when I went to the first – you know, the game, a UCLA-USC game, that, that kind of cemented my, my decision, other than the fact that Dennis Thurman, who went to my high school, was an All-American at USC. Uh, that last game I went to, USC-UCLA game, was the deciding factor because I went on a UCLA ticket, and uh, I sat in the UCLA stands, and I watched UCLA come out in the powder blue uniforms, and then I watched SC come out, and the horse came out, and they won the game, and that was, the, you know, that cemented my decision. And I was, uh, you know, I was USC for them from that point on. What was it like playing with uh, guys like Ronnie Watt and Joey Browner? I mean, that's some the three of you. That's some pretty legendary names. Yeah, well, we had a lot of, you know, when I came to SC, it was a lot of talent. And I think that's what either that scares people away sometimes. You either want to go there to see how good you are, or you just don't want to go there because there's too many, too much competition. But for me, as as a player, I wanted to go and see how good I was right then. I said I want to put myself in a position to be around the best. And I think we all made each other better. And also, I learned a lot from guys like Ronnie. Because I felt Ronnie Lott was. He was more advanced. Uh, he was ahead of me as far as just knowing about the game. He knew so much more about the game than me. I was more of a raw talent at that time. And I think I learned a lot from Ronnie in, in, uh, just on how to you know, play the game. And uh, by the time I left, I think we were on, equal, on an equal level by the time we reached our senior year. But I think coming in, I was more raw. You know, I didn't know as much about the game. I hadn't played as much. You know, I didn't start – I don't think I played in – I didn't play in pads, football pads, until I was in the 10th grade. So I started late and uh, played all the sports, but just was more of a raw talent. But it was awesome playing with those guys. And Marcus Allen, who a lot of people don't know, his rook, his freshman year, he was a defensive back too. So he was with us. And uh, – you know, so we we all became really close, and uh, it was a great, great, great place to play. And couldn't play for a better coach with John Robinson because he just he was so calm and cool all the time, and he, he made it fun for us. Uh, well, after USC, you get drafted by the Denver Broncos. Um, after their last Super Bowl appearance was in 1977, the Broncos remained a good, the decent team, made the playoffs, I think, once in that time from 78 to 81 before you got there. What do you think were the primary reasons for the Broncos' rise to the top of the AFC in the 80s? Was it primarily Elway, Reeves, or a combination of things? I think it was definitely a combination, you know, because I think the defense stayed strong, which is important. You know, you want to have your defense intact. And he was able to develop the offense, you know, and uh, the defense still remained strong enough to, you know, to to beat people. 
because when I came to Denver, their 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 team was basically a defensive team. You know, it was a defensive mindset, and it was a different. Like I I believed in. I was used to winning. Coming from USC, we we expected to win every week, but coming to Denver, they took it to another level, especially on the defensive side of the ball, where they really expected to shut people out and not, people not to score, you know, and then and they they went into games believing that they could do that, and and I think believing that you shut people down a lot and you keep the score really low, and they were able to do that time and time again, and I was like. Everybody, like even the years we weren't good, I knew we were going to win at least eight games at home. We're going to very seldom if we lose at home. So, you know, I could count on us winning those games. And you win two games on the road, you're ten and six every year. So, you know, we expected to go to the playoffs every year. But the defense set the tone for the team. But then when when John came, Elway came, they were able to build a offense around him. And that made us – that took us to the next level. I would say that would definitely was what took us to the next level, them getting John Elway, without a doubt. The uh, 1980s Broncos really don't get their due credit, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Tell us about what it was like playing on that defense and what the what the guys were like. Well, this, we I, I was fortunate enough to play long enough to play in different – with different a uh, couple of different defensive coordinators and Joe Collier's defense was really something that evolved into something that was really complicated for young guys to grasp and I was fortunate enough to come from a defensive system where we did a lot of the things that Joe did so when I got to Denver the only thing I had to do was change the names of the defenses and I was like okay this defense we played this defense okay I just had to change the name and say, all right, we played this, we played this. So everything I had seen before. So it wasn't confusing to me. But for a lot of guys that were just, some of them, really raw talents that could really start, they couldn't grasp the the concept of the defenses. Because every year Joe would add more little things to the defense. And it made it more and more complicated over time. So it got to a point where uh young guy couldn't come in and learn the defense really fast. And it, and if he couldn't learn it, he couldn't get on the field because they weren't going to let you play if you didn't know what you were doing. And uh, we were really successful with it, but it took away from some of the talent. That sometimes you just had to get guys a little smarter and had to sacrifice the talent side of it. So I can appreciate both because I like to play with people who know what they're doing. I don't like to play as I played with people that had talent and I would have to tell them over and over what to do. And that's that I don't like that. I, I'd rather have someone with less talent and just knows what to do so you can count on them. And then whatever uh, things they're lacking, you could take over uh, with what you have, you know. So, you know, Joe's defense was really more complex over time. But then when Wade Phillips came, he simplified everything again and made it easier for a young guy to come in and just step on the field. And I could appreciate both coaches, and they they both, uh, their philosophies both worked. And uh, I think I was more successful. I was successful in both defenses, but 
I was probably more successful in in uh, the way he filled up the defense because I, it was less taxing on me physically um, because I didn't have to play so much man for man because with Joe Collier, I played a lot of man for man and he, he made me play like I was almost like the third the third corner on the team. So I like I think I like playing with Wade a little bit more, but we were successful with both defensive coaches. All right, now, 1985, this is the game I most remember. I know you probably know where I'm going with this, but 1985, one of the greatest finishes I've ever seen in a football game because I don't think I've ever seen back-to-back kicks blocked in return for a touchdown. I mean, what happened? I mean, (laughs) they didn't change anything it didn't look like. You ran basically the same play again and blocked it again. Can you talk about that game a little bit, what that overtime was like? Well, the thing that the, the interesting thing about that game was, besides the fact that Louis was able to get recover both blocks, <laughs> I don't know how he yeah. did that. The one that didn't count and the one that did count, he was right there to scoop it up. It's like I can remember Louis telling me, "That's all right. We're gonna block it again. We're gonna block it again." But actually, I had blocked the I had blocked a field goal earlier in the game. I had actually already blocked a field goal or extra point. I can't remember if it was a field goal or extra point, but I already, I had already blocked one. It was earlier in the game, I think. And uh, the one that didn't count wasn't even me. I think it was Rulon Jones or somebody else had blocked it, and it didn't count. So the next time, Louis said, that's okay. We're going to block it again. We're going to block it again. And we played. We really had played well that whole game. And, it, and then it came down to that, that one kick and – I got through, and I had a knack for getting through that little crevice right there, between the the, just right on the end, not all the way on the end of the line, but right in between that last blocker. I kind of had a knack for hurdling that guy, and getting through. And I got there, got through him, and I blocked it. And there's Louis Wright again, scooping the ball up, and I was like, "Wow, how is he getting this ball? Because that's not easy to do." And uh, he scooped the ball up and it returned it for a touchdown. And I just, someone posted on my Facebook page just the other day another play where, where uh, against the New England Patriots where uh, we, uh, it was late in the game and it was, I think it was a tie game too. Or it wasn't overtime, but uh, mostly the Tupu, who played with me at USC, uh, was run was carrying the ball on a, a toss or something, and, and, and Steve Busick, who played with me at USC, uh, stripped him of the ball, and uh, the ball pops out, and I recovered it and ran it back for a touchdown. And uh, that was another game like that, and it was the same year. I think it was the same year. I want to say it was the same year. And uh, we won that game, and it was because of a, you know, and that was – Three USC guys all involved in the play, and uh, that was uh, another interesting play. I think that was the same year too, though. Well, right now it looks like we got a caller on the line. Uh, let's see. Go ahead, caller. You got a question for Dennis Smith? Yeah. How you doing, Mr. Smith? All right. How you doing? Hey, this is Jermaine. I'm from Indiana. Uh, just question about the you were on the you were on the Broncos. Um, on the 87 team, right? When they played against yeah. Cleveland? Yeah. 
<laughs> what, what was what was that emotion like for you on that uh, on that final drive when uh, he when uh, when Mac didn't get in? What was it like? Are you talking uh, what, about what, the the game that we played in Denver? The playoffs that, that we, the one playoff that did, game? Uh, the one in Cleveland. The other one in Cleveland or the Denver? Are you yeah, talking Cleveland about the, Cleveland, the fumble? Talking about the fumble? The, yeah, the fumble. The fumble game. Yeah, that's the one. Okay. Yeah, that's I, I can tell you. I can give you a little insight on this is from my perspective because I've had some great games against Cleveland and I've had some bad games against Cleveland. And the first okay. year we played, the first year we played Cleveland in Cleveland, uh, the drive made Elway famous, and the drive almost got me fired because that was one of my <laughs> – that was one of those games where everything was going wrong for me. Uh, and okay. I was the one that caused the, that Cleveland made the last touchdown that they got was on me. Uh, Brian uh, – I almost said his name. Brian Brennan. <laughs> the wide receiver. Brian Brennan. Yeah, Brian Brennan. Brennan. touchdown on me got a touchdown on me and I was on his back when he yeah you know, I was about to look turn around and look for the ball and he went the other way and I tried to grab him and I fell and the ball it looked like slow motion the ball he catches the ball and goes in for a touchdown. But that was one of one of those games I was struggling all the whole game. And I was on injury reserve that year and I came back and I hadn't played that much but I was playing in that game. And uh the next year, <coughs> I wasn't because they used to play me all. I was like third corner. I would be on okay. the slot receiver, which is more the most difficult guy to cover usually. And I'm on the slot receiver, right? So the next year in '87, here we are again. We're on the, against the, the uh, Cleveland Browns again, but now they don't have me playing the slot guy anymore. So, but we get in the game, and all these guys on the team have these like strained hamstrings, right? And they're all – and then as the game gets closer and closer, to gets tighter and tighter, their hamstrings get tighter and tighter. Now all of a sudden <laughs> they don't want to play, right? So the coach is looking at me and Tyrone Braxton, who's a, a rookie, and they're saying – he's thinking, all right, these guys don't want to go in now. They can't play. They're saying they can't play. Their hamstrings are tight. And uh, they're looking at – guys to put in to put back on the slot, the slot receiver, Brian Brennan again, right? And I'm thinking, okay, he's look, he's going to make me, he's going to put me at the slot. And I'm thinking, don't put, don't say me, don't say me. <laughs> and he's looking at me and Tyrone Braxton. He's looking at Tyrone. He's looking at me. And he says, okay, Dennis, you go back to the slot receiver. I'm like, <laughs> in my mind, I'm saying, shit. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, all right, I go, all right, I go out there. The first play, the first play they throw on me, <laughs> he throws about a five-yard, a little hook pattern, about five-yard hook pattern, right? He turns around, I turn around, the ball, I turn to the right, the ball goes to the left. You know, I'm like, if I had, like, turned to the left, the ball would hit me in the stomach. And I turned to the left. He catches the ball. I'm like, okay, I can't let this hap- keep happening. So uh, right. that was the first play. And then another play I think they threw on someone else. But on the next play, I'm thinking, oh, all right, I'm not going to let him catch this ball on me. I can't let him catch the touchdown on me. So I'm running with him into the end zone. I turn around and see 
Uh, what's the running back's name that was running with the ball? I can't Ernest remember. Ernest Biner. Ernest Biner. Oh, yeah. Ernest Biner. Ernest Biner is running towards the end zone with the ball. I'm like, oh, I'm in the end zone following my man thinking it's a pass and it's a draw. And uh, he's running with the ball, and all of a sudden uh, our guy, I can't remember, what's my the defensive back say? See, that's the thing about, you know, I played 14 years. Uh, the concussion syndrome is, is probably a little <laughs> affecting me too. <laughs> But anyway, our guys stripped him of the ball, <laughs> and uh, we got we, we recovered the fumble. But those games, I've had some. And then my last year playing against Cleveland in the playoffs again, I had one of my best games. So you know, I had two interceptions and really played great. I should have had three. Um, I remember uh, uh, the first early in the game they were. Uh, they would. What's the why the the little the little running back they had? Uh, he was really Metcalf. 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 Yeah, they would split him out wide all the time on the safeties, and just and then uh, and then they would just throw him the ball, and he wouldn't he wouldn't run down the field at all. He just catch the ball right there and run away from people. So I remember all week I would say, all right, I'm gonna get way off of him. But I'm gonna I'm gonna be looking right at Bernie. I'm gonna be looking right at Bernie Kosar, and if if he just steps takes a step and looks at him, I'm just gonna take off running and just intercept the ball. That was my plan. And uh, <clears throat> sure enough, early in the game, early in the game, I said, "All right, here he can split out wide." I was like, "Oh, here's Metcalf. Here's my chance. Here's my chance. This is it." And if I was earlier in my career, I probably would have been fast enough to run and intercept it, but. I was a little too far off, and I was uh, I hesitated just a little bit because I think Bernie Kosar saw me and he hesitated a little bit, but he still threw the ball, and that made me hesitate and not get to intercept it. But what I did was I ran through Metcalf, and Metcalf was not really he was not the fear, most fearless guy in the world, and I ran <laughs> right through him and I got a good hit, a big hit on him. And they never ran. They never slid him out again that game. That was the only time. And I remember Metcalf was only like five six, weighed like a hundred eighty <laughs> yeah, pounds. So. I didn't want. I didn't want him to split <laughs> him out anymore either. I didn't want him to split him out because he was a threat, you know, to catch the ball and do stuff. So I, when he got out there, I knew. I said, if I stay way off, they're gonna they're gonna think, okay, I, we got him. But I was cluing Met. I was cluing Bernie the whole time. I was watching Bernie. I was. I wasn't even looking at Metcalf. I was like, if he just takes that step and looks at Metcalf, I'm flying up there to get him. And I did it. I timed it. I just didn't time it just right enough to intercept it. But that set the tone for that whole game, I think, from a defensive perspective. And, you know, like I said, the first two Super Bowls I felt I rode the bus to the Super Bowl. But that third Super Bowl we went to, I drove the bus. That was one of my best years. And my next, the next year was was even better than that. Was ninety one when we went to the AFC Championship against Buffalo. Now that was a game. Yeah, where Fellaway didn't get hurt, I think you guys win that game. Yeah, that was a game we should have won. And if you look at the game, and uh, and think about like I blocked the field goal with San Diego that you talked about, but the only thing the difference between us winning and losing that game was the field goal they got. And I almost blocked that one, and I was all the way in there. If you ever look at that film, I was in the backfield, and that ball went through my hands. 
like my hands were up through my hands. So that was how close I was to blocking. I was all the way back in the backfield. I was there with the ball, and I didn't hit the ball. So it wasn't meant to be for us. But we had this. We had a game plan that was so good for that for for Buffalo, and uh, we decided as a team, and we were, even the players, and and we looked at it, and we were saying, man, we gotta we gotta blitz them every time they come in the come out with nobody in the backfield, <clears throat> and no matter what defense we were in, we had an automatic call to just blitz. Every time they came out with nobody in the backfield, if you could notice, they would put Thurman Thomas, everybody would line up in a wide receiver position. And no one would be in the backfield. We were like, okay, we're coming from both sides every time, and everybody's going to line up off the receiver so they can't just throw the ball, you know, up the field. So you're going to have, they're going to have to run a route in front of us, and we're just going to squat. And everybody was well, I do squatting. remember that. And the thing, the thing I remember the most squatting. about that is the fact they kept doing it. Yeah, the whole time. We didn't, we didn't call it off either until I think the second half. We just kept running. It was like if they, if they come out, nobody in the backfield, we're blitzing every time. And it worked so great, man. It was like I think what happened, though, us losing to them and then winning, I think, we took away their confidence, and the, and it and it gave a like a game plan for other teams to how to how to deal with it. And when they win the Super Bowl, they weren't prepared, you know. And I think we had a lot to do with that. I think we took all their confidence away just by because they were blowing people out before that game. Yeah. <laughs> and we went and we went to and we went to Buffalo, and they didn't score a touchdown. Their offense didn't score a touchdown on us. And yeah. their the um, defense Jermaine, was on their uh, defense score. Jermaine, did you have any other questions for Mr. Smith? No, that was it. That was great. I appreciate it. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry, Jermaine. I I forgot you were on the phone, Jermaine. I just got (laughs) carried away. I'm enjoying the stories, man. I appreciate it. Well, I'd like to piggyback off what you just said there real quick, and then we'll get over to Matt. Um, You talked about how they never adjusted there. They didn't adjust in the Super Bowl. I mean, to me, I think one of the biggest travesties is Marv Levy is in the Hall of Fame and Dan Reeves is not. Could you tell us a little bit about Dan Reeves and playing for Dan Reeves? Um, I love playing for Dan. You know, <clears throat> he got the best out of all the players he had. You know, and he was uh, <clears throat> he found ways to get teams more than you know more than just the Broncos. He should get Atlanta to the Super Bowl. You know. He he's he's been successful everywhere he's been, and I was the first player he he drafted as a Denver Bronco uh, head coach, and I feel a connection to him. And you know he just got inducted into the Ring of Fame in Denver, and it was long overdue. And I'm I was glad to be there too, to uh, you know help induct him into the Ring of Fame. I thought that was a, that was a great deal, but he did a great job, man. He did a great job, and and you know you that's all you can look at as you look back. It's like he got us to the Super Bowl. We we couldn't win it for him. I wish we could have, you know. But things had to go. Things needed to go right. You know, we didn't. We weren't a team that was really dominant as far as like overwhelming talent. But 
we had to all play well on the days. Like our great players had to play well, and we just didn't all play well on those days. And I think that's that well, was the right now, we didn't win them. Right now, I just want to let everybody listening know we've got a half-hour show, and we've got 15 minutes of archive time that will be in a podcast. So if you're listening now at the bottom of the hour, it'll cut you. Or, I mean, we'll go off the air. We'll still be talking to Dennis Smith. And right after our show, at the top of the hour at 12 o'clock, you can get on and actually listen to the entire interview and the podcast there. So, Matt? Dennis, uh, uh, I saw a video last year that uh, with you and Steve Atwater talking about uh, Steve's famous hit on Christian Okoye. Tell us what it was like to play with Steve and how much fear you guys put into opponents. Well, it was, it was a lot of fun. First of all, he's a great person, and I, I love playing with him. But to, to, let's talk about the Christian Okoye hit because I was in that game Definitely. Too. We talked about it, but you don't see me in the game. You talk about the hit. You don't see me in the game that much. And uh, what happened in the game was, and it it shows you how fate kind of plays a part in in people's, you know, history, because uh, we had talked about it coming in that game, and Atwater asked me, well, how are you going to handle Christian Okoye? I said, well, I'm going to try to run through him. If I get a chance, I'm going to run through him right early in the game, try to make a statement, you know. And uh, he was like, yeah, all right. I was like, I'm going to run through him too. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. I was like, so we get in the game, and, you know, I, I don't remember if it was before the hit or after the hit, but uh, after one of the plays, and uh, somebody made a tackle or something, and someone – the offensive lineman for Kansas City jumps over a pile, hits me right in my ankle, bam, I'm out of the game. I'm done. I'm not even playing no more. <laughs> like, shit, uh-huh. I can't even do it. No, all right. So I think it might have been after he had his big hit. But then, like, later in the game, I'm watching, right, I'm watching from the sideline now. Because I think I was on the field when he had his big hit. I was there. I was still on the field. But after the, it was like right after that hit, I go, I go out and I'm out of the game. So Randy Robbins, my backup, is playing safety now. And then like a few plays later, I see Krishna Koya on another place coming right to the side where Randy Robbins is, which would have been me. And I was thinking that would have been my play right there. That's my opportunity because it was a toss. You know, it was like those plays were, oh, that's the one you want. He's right there. There's the lane. He's going to run right there. And Randy just cut him. I'm like, oh. I say, it wasn't meant to be. And uh, that hit probably was what made At famous. So, you know, it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant to be for me to get any of that glory that day because I was on the (laughs) sideline watching. But it was a great hit. Go ahead. Well, they they set up things for us to do, you know, like it was catered to us, to the safeties when we played, and uh, rightfully so because we we could change the game, you know. If you and they uh, Wade did a good job of just implementing plays for us to be a big impact, especially early in the game, and I think that's important too. 
to set a tone. I don't even know. You can't even set a tone like that anymore. I mean, you can't you can't hit people like that anymore and, and not get fined or get you know kicked out of the game. But when we played, it was okay, you know, and it was part of the game, you know. But I always felt the hits I hit. I feel like I would hit like that now. I don't. I don't feel any. I don't really feel that. You know, I feel sore and bad. My like my neck hurts all the time. But uh, I think it's it's safer to hit high than to hit, you know, in the knees in that area, because you get knocked out more when you go low. You know, you either get knocked out or run over, or, or you take somebody's knees out. So, you know, I'd rather hit people high than hit them low. Hit them high, you, you you live to play another uh, down, and you hit them low, you, you usually get knocked out. I, I, they we used to have a name uh, saying for it. We called it getting cooked in the. You know, you get down that squat position, you get cooked right there. You get run over. So, besides the 1985 game against San Diego that we talked about, was there a particular yeah. game that really stands out in your mind from your career? particular game. Hmm. Yeah, like where you played, like, really, I mean, one of your best games that you've played, not necessarily in, played in a game, but the way you played yourself that day. I think I think against Seattle, the 1989 season, against Seattle, in Seattle, because we were playing, and uh, I felt, personally, I was playing really well, and I was making a lot of plays, even early in the game, but halftime, I think we were losing. And uh, <clears throat> we went into the locker room, and the defensive line coach, I'm failing to remember his name, <laughs> but he was very vocal. And he told us, he said, uh, we were playing like, girls basically and he said do we want to drop our short shirt skirts and give it all to him <laughs> and i thought that was the funniest thing i ever heard I, I i i can't even think of the defensive line coach's name now man um he passed away too i know he passed away but I actually remember that um, game. Weren't you guys being shut out at halftime, like fourteen to nothing? I don't know if we were shut out, but it was '89 season, and uh, we were definitely losing at halftime. And I can't think. I want to say, oh, Earl Leggett, Earl Leggett, Earl Leggett. He's passed away. Man, I love that guy, Earl Leggett. He said you would have just drop your shorts and give it all to him, or something. He said something like that. <laughs> I thought it was so funny, but we went back out there, and I continued to play well. I think that was one of my best overall games I've had. I had that year, but I play, was playing my butt off that year. I only had two interceptions, but my impact on the team and the plays that I was making, like causing fumbles and things like that, were like really, you know. And I think, I and the thing about it is. We 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 uh, tied the game and we were in overtime, and I uh, uh, got interception in overtime and ran it back to like the twenty or something like that, and then uh, 
but we were able to kick a field goal and win the game. And but I was just playing my butt off that game, and uh, I think Earl Leggett's halftime speech really motivated me to play even better the second half. And uh, that was one of the best games I played. One of my biggest hits, though, I think was against uh, Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Bengals. <clears throat> I don't remember what year, and I don't remember the player, but. I hit this guy. It was 1991. I'm a Bengals fan. <laughs> was it? <laughs> I was like, I was Do you wondering if sure it was 91. I don't know if it was 91. I don't, I don't think it was. It was before. I remember that. a big no, hit this, you had that. the 91 no. game and it I think the 84 that. game in Denver. It was before that. It was before that in Denver. It might have been. <laughs> might have been. It was definitely in the 80s. It was 80. No, 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 it was no wait. It was the 86 was game where y'all beat us 34 to 28 because the officials kept giving y'all the calls. <laughs> no, you know what? It was I don't you remember if you remember the back, the reason I mentioned this is because I don't think I did anything else that year but that hit, but I went to the Pro Bowl and I think it was just based on that hit. And I think that was that's the if it was one hit you ever want to show on me, I would want it to be that one because it was like <clears throat> I was playing two deep zone and um I can't remember the running back's name, but I it had to be before it was definitely in the 80s, not 90s. It was not in the 90s. It yeah, it was 84, 80. 86. You had a big hit in all three of them, I remember. It so. was 80, might have been 86. Might have been 86. I think, that I was think it was. That and was 34-28. That was, was a great a, game. It was, a big, it was a big running back, too, not a little guy. It was a big Larry running Canterbury. back, but it wasn't. It, maybe so, but he was running around to the right side. And it was in Denver, and I came from half – I was – Half you know half the field, and I was I just got a running start, and I ran up, and I bam I hit him, and I I knocked him out, <laughs> and the ball came out, and Ricky Hundley tried to scoop it up, and he kicked the ball out of bounds, and he should have scooped it up and ran it in for a touchdown, but he kicked it out of bounds. But I knocked him out. I don't even remember. I can't remember what the running back's name was, but I knocked him it out. It was Larry Canterbury, I'm arms, pretty sure. And his arms were frozen in, in, and in place, and he went down, and all my face mask was busted. I had to come out of the game to replace my face mask because it was broke. It was just gone. And uh, that was the biggest hit. And, and that, and that, you know, I look at hits. That's the kind of hit. That you, I mean, you don't want to hurt anybody permanently, but that's the kind of message you want to send early in a game to, you know, send a message to the players that you know you be careful, you don't don't, because I played against. I I always want to do it early in the game because you don't want to you know, because you're fresh early in the game too. But plus, you want to send a message to the other team that you know we're a physical team. That's basically what you want to do, and. uh I did that again against uh, the Indianapolis Colts and a uh, player I remember his name Roosevelt Potts who was running over everybody before we before we played him and I was like I got to run through him early too and I and I the difference was it was later in my career I wasn't as young I slammed into him I ran I knocked him out but I almost knocked myself out too and I was like wow the difference was a few years to make because I, they had to carry me, kind of carry me back to the huddle. But I didn't want to come out of the game. See, that's a different mindset too. 
You know, you don't want to come out of the game, and you know you, you I probably had a concussion right then. But I stayed in the game to show I'm tougher than him. But I was probably as, as woozy as he was. You know, as a fan uh, watching uh, all the Elway comebacks over the years, uh, it's very exciting to watch on TV. But for you and the rest of the defense, being on the sideline while he's engineering those game-winning drives, what was it? What was it like to be a part of all those memorable comebacks that you guys had with with John Elway? Well, they're very exciting, especially in the when it came to playoff time. You know, you you get through the grind of the season and you get in the playoffs. This when they really mean something. You know, he was able to do that. You know, time and time again. I remember games against. I see Warren Moon all the time, and it's like Warren Moon is like we the only reason he never got to the Super Bowl. You know, he could never get past us because he always had to come to Denver to try to beat us, and uh, it just wasn't happening because Elway brought us back every time, you know, because Warren did all he could because they had some great games against us. Uh, as far as uh, we couldn't stop them, but they couldn't stop Elway. So, you know, we had one, you know, one we one-upped them with Elway, so. I see him all the time, and I, we still talk about it and everything. We all, I'm upset that I never won a Super Bowl, and he's upset he'd never been in the Super Bowl. So those are things you never get over. <laughs> and we still upset about it. I still get pissed about it myself. So what, what do you think? You played on a lot of great Broncos teams. What do you think was the best Broncos teams you played or best, best Broncos team you played on? Man, that's, um, well, I think actually the team that went to the Super Bowl against the 49ers when I was there, the last Super Bowl we played in, or yeah, the Super Bowl 24, or the or the 91 team. I actually really think the 91 team that uh, went to Buffalo in the AFC Championship was probably better, and we probably had a better chance of winning the Super Bowl with that team. We were really ready to win the Super Bowl, I think, that year. And uh, we had the team to do it with, and Elway got hurt, and that screwed that up. So, you know, we had a little few bad you know, strokes of bad luck that screwed up things. But I would say 89 and 91. And 91, I think, was my best year ever because I played more. And I think that was the, the key in all my years, if you look back on it, is the fact that I think I played more games if I was able to stay on the field, I could. Pl- I played at a high level, but I was hurt a lot early in my career, especially. And staying on the field is hard. <laughs> it's hard to stay healthy for everybody, but man, especially it seemed like it was for me. And then my last few years later in my career, as I got older, I, I was able to stay healthy. And the years that I stayed healthy, I had really great years. I only hey, got a couple minutes left. Yeah, we we got like two minutes left. So <laughs> go ahead, Matt. I was just going to ask real quick, what what are you doing these days? I I'm a landlord. I started buying income property while I was still playing, and uh, something I understood. My my uh, grandfather bought property. My grandmother had income property. My mom has income property, so. It was something I understood, and all her 
you know, siblings had my grandmother's siblings had income property, so it's something I really understood. And the only other job I held with for any length of time was playing in the NFL, so <laughs> I knew I couldn't work for anybody else. So I knew I could collect rent, and that was something I understood. So that's what I went with, and it's it's paid off for me because I haven't had to beg for any money from anybody. So. <laughs> I'm okay, and I'm still in my same house I bought in 1990, and uh, it's paid off. So I'm in, I'm good. I'm living good, and I'm I'm feeling good. I feel great, and I'm still married to the same woman. I married 32 years ago. Got two kids that moved out. Just moved out. Bought their own house. So I'm I'm life is good right now. Hey, well, Dennis, like I said, it was an honor to talk to you tonight. I think I can speak for Matt by saying that. Um, get ready to cut off, and it will cut off abruptly. So, I mean, <laughs> we would love to have you back on the show. Great guest. I mean, we've had a great time talking to you. Well, you got my number now. Yep, I got, well, it's 111111, remember? <laughs> <laughs> well, you have Thanks very much one. for joining us, Dennis. <laughs> All right, thanks hey, for but me. Thanks a lot, Dennis. Uh, Matt, All you got right. any closing comments? No, just very appreciate, very appreciative uh, for you taking time out to join us tonight. All right, thanks, Mike. Well, hey, hey, it, it was a pleasure, Dennis. Anytime, man. All right, take care. So, yeah, thank you. So, everybody, right. remember, next Wednesday night, 11 o'clock, we'll have another episode of The Grueling Truth. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at the Red Light Sports Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.